0: Today's panelists, we have uh, an esteemed panelist coming back with us, one of our partners um, uh, and, and from Women Who Serve, and she has a great history of helping out veterans and helping women in general and veterans in general. But Diana Dennis is a US Army veteran and a national advocate and activist on women veterans issues and lead administrator for the social media service Women Who Serve. She has with her Kathleen Hoffman a U.S. Army veteran, and national advocate, as well as an Oregon State Veteran Service officer. I love Oregon. I went there to visit one time, and I'm in love with it. Uh, today's discussion is going to center around veterans' caregiver programs, Medicare aid, and attendance uh, death uh, benefits. Okay, let's turn it over to Diana. Let's uh, lead this way into this discussion, the very important issues you're bringing up.
1: Hi, I'm glad to, to hear your voice again. Um, it's we decided to veer off from some of the other very specifically uh, women-oriented things this month because of COVID-19 and what mm. it's done in decimating so many families. We've had, with COVID-19 in the last year, we've had ten thousand five hundred seventy-one veterans' deaths. And 645 of those were in the last two weeks. Um, hmm. Part of the problem is is that in, in the best of times when everyone knows what's going on and everything's open and you can go and work with a county veteran service officer or make calls or walk into a social security office or out onto a military installation and go run into an office to ask questions and get things done, we just haven't had the benefit of that. During COVID, things have been locked up and locked down. But even the cemetery systems is still on partial uh, funeral uh, program elements. So we're just now starting to be able to get in there and have small groups and get, start getting a lot of these funerals done. Um, mm-hmm. And one of the things that happens is people, veterans of all ages, get out of the service and they talk to other veterans instead of finding out specifically, you know, what the programs and policies and requirements are. And when it comes to something this serious as COVID and a whole bunch of deaths and already having service connected issues, maybe dying in a VA hospital, all of those deaths that I just talked about occurred in VA facilities, whether it was a nursing home, a CBOC or a hospital. And when you look at that veterans talk to each other and they think that there's a whole lot of stuff in place that is just specific to them that will cover them on all this stuff and that's why i called kathleen and i said i would really like you to talk about what happens under aid and attendance usually a separate program um under social security and they have caregiver program in the department of veterans affairs but there are limitations to each of those. And then if we lose our veteran, um, then we're dealing with death benefits and death issues. And there's a lot of mystique and myth around what that includes. So I'm going to let Kathleen take off and start talking about what those different things are, what it means, and how folks can get help. Because we've got a lot of folks just making stuff up as they go. And mm-hmm. we're in a very difficult situation with so many veterans' death. Kathleen, I'm so happy you were able to come on today.
2: Thank you for inviting me. The first thing that I wanted to talk about is COVID and death, and then I'll go to to burial. A lot of people don't realize if a veteran goes to a hospital and it's said that they die from COVID, that the family loses the burial benefit. Say that previously they had bladder cancer or prostate cancer, which is an age-long presumptive, and they were rated for it. If that is not on the death certificate and they say it's COVID, the family will not get the $2,000 burial. They will not receive DIC, which is survivor benefits, medical care. Um, they, they just lost. So it's really important that the VSOs or the families know to talk to the burial home about other the other health related, injuries that they have so that they're on the death certificate as well so the family does not lose out.
1: That's very important. Um, I I was under a misimpression too. I thought 100 percent veterans um, got that death benefit automatically and and Katie set me straight. She said that is not how it works. If it is not on the death certificate that is not happening and if it's not on the death certificate it absolutely impacts death and indemnity, that DIC compensation benefit to a surviving uh, spouse. And most veterans aren't aware of that. It's, and that's scary to think that you're gonna have that to help your family step forward and not have it be there.
0: You know, that's, that's really an interesting and extremely critical point. So do you think that, you know, we have like a uh, association of funeral directors in uh, the Chicagoland area in Illinois and do they need to be made aware of this because, um, if we have, if anyone is a veteran and they do die, um, you know, uh, regardless of the cause, but even, especially with COVID, um, to make sure that they, um, that disability certificate from the family goes to the funeral home.
2: Absolutely. You know, I live in a rural town town, you know, where everybody has 60,000 horses and dogs. And, um, i can honestly say that our funeral home you know we have one he comes to me and he says i have a veteran what do i need to tell the coroner to put on this certificate um it just happens that my guy and i work really well together you know And that's just like say you have somebody who dies of a cancer that's not Agent Orange or a condition that's not Gulf war syndrome you know um and they don't write it down or or, um, they don't write down other issues and say that they actually die because of the morphine and an OD. And if the person is rated for PTSD, you can say that that morphine caused suicide and then they will be rated, the family will get the $2,000 and they'll get the DIC, the survivor benefits, because suicide is a secondary condition to PTSD. Even though the morphine... For a drug and morphine still costs an OD. So it's kind of a play with the system to win what is right for the family.
1: Wow. So, so uh, Kathleen, when we are dealing with someone with a multitude, just stacked disabilities that for whatever reason ends up in the hospital, is the objective to laundry list? While they are in there with the physician, so that it's in the record everything that's wrong with them and all of the things that could come up. So if they if they give them a medication or if they prescribe a treatment that ends up not working out well for them and they succumb to whatever the condition is, that they show that. Hello. Oh, hello. Yeah, I think
0: I, I think. Uh... Oh, she may have fallen off for a moment. Yeah, but, no, but you can answer I'm, that question yes. and she'll be right back on.
2: No, I'm I'm on. Um yeah, I would write everything down. Um we have a lot of people, especially our older veterans, who have, you know, ten eleven conditions and um we write everything down. You don't want to leave any loopholes.
0: Oh we don't yes, yes, that's right. Yeah, uh, you know, and, and you know, so is it is it uh, difficult to amend the death certificate once that's happened? I bet I bet it is. Coroners
2: <laughs> don't like they don't like to do it. They don't like to admit that they weren't listening to the family or they weren't in the loop. They don't like to admit it. I had one recently that was amended and it was also a morphine. The man was Vietnam three times. He had esophagus cancer. Esophagus cancer is not Agent Orange, but yet respiratory and lung and you know all that other bronchi all that other stuff is agent orange not esophagus and so hmm. um, he ended up getting uh, bone cancer they didn't consider it multiple myeloma which is also agent orange even though multiple multiple myeloma is bone cancer so there's different things that can be written that can help the people that it's not a like with Agent Orange, that it's not a presumptive, that we could still get the benefit for the family. And the thing is, was like what Diana said, okay. is like if you have PTSD and you blew your knee and you're 100%, so you're 100% for PTSD, you are not guaranteed the $2,000 burial. If you get hit by a car, your burial is going to be $300. 300.
0: And
2: your oh. family is not going to get DIC. Now, if you're collecting unemployability, unemployability is where you can be 70% paid 100, 80% paid 100. And it's where the VA has said, we recognize that you are 70%, but you cannot hold a job. So if you have that condition, 10 years, married 10 years, it does not matter what you pass away from, even COVID, the VA will pay survivor benefits. Oh, wow. But unemployability, it's not the same as 100% scheduler. They're 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 both to be paid 100%, but they are not the same. 100% scheduler means you can work. Unemployability means they don't want you to work.
0: Oh boy, so Diana, you, you know, I, I think that um, goes to the heart of your question. Um, if um, we have this, you know, this this thing is yeah you know, we you know we just. Um, It's really sad, though, that uh, people are not cognizant of this because I feel, you know, at the point where someone is actually going through this. First of all, you know, the family with the COVID-19 is usually disconnected from uh, the person who is in the who's hospitalized or an intensive care unit. And uh, so they may not even be able to talk to the person about where your papers, where are things that you need. And it it seems like a a tragic uh, you know, um, accumulation of different issues that just make this impossible to contend with sometimes. And so what would you recommend that people do in general, uh, even now, just to to, to, uh, make sure that the families are aware that these documents are extremely important? We know about the DD-214, you know, life doesn't go on without that, Um, but... Go ahead.
2: If they have a burial plan, i tell people to have like in their safe or in their burial information they have their dd form 214 with their burial plan and their disability rating Ah. because their disability rating that's itemized um in my county, I give my guys and my women a copy of their code sheet, and that code sheet breaks everything down with all, all without all the other sixty thousand words. It just says like fifty percent, you know, PTSD, you know, fifty percent TDI, thirty percent this. It just breaks it down without all of why we awarded and why we didn't award. So it makes your package a little a little cleaner, and um, so I would suggest that they have that that together. And, um, just like if they've been in anaphylaxis, those kind of things.
0: Yeah. yeah. You know,
2: I, you know, um, the other thing too is like, um, I did a seminar last Saturday and one of the EMTs said to tape it to a cabinet, you know, so like if somebody has to come to your house and say you haven't been well, then the EMTs, you know, what, what, where is your medication list? Where is your, um, like, your code sheet or your DD Form 214 so somebody knows where to find this stuff? So it's kind of like have your kids or have your family know where that paperwork is. Because a lot of times, too, if somebody passes away at home, you know, the coroner comes to the house.
0: Oh, yes. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah. And so they
2: have access to that paperwork. So, you know, it's like we always think we're going to live forever. And honestly, I'm going to tell you, I did not make a plan myself until last year. I had a drunk driver take me off the road in the snow Mm. and ice, and it took them two hours to cut me out. I didn't have a plan until I climbed out of that truck because I shouldn't have climbed out. So I now have a plan, and everybody knows where my plan is.
0: Wow, that's that's words of wisdom.
2: Yeah. Everybody just needs to start making a plan. But, you know, I also didn't start thinking about covid until I started hearing on TV, you know, hundreds of people die, died in New York, and they're, they're boxing them up, and they're putting them outside, and they're putting them in freezers. And I'm like, I bet their family doesn't know that they just lost their benefit.
0: Oh, my goodness. Wow.
2: And so that's why I went to our coroner and I said, hey, if we have anybody in our county pass away from COVID, you really need to come see me.
0: Yeah, this, this, is, this is an alarm bell that people need to be listening to, um, and you're making me think I need to get my things in order when I go home <laughs> uh, because right. you know, we, we don't know when we're promised to be here or not, and uh, you know, uh, you know, so we really have to um, prepare ourselves correctly, and that $2,000 survivor benefit could really help to stabilize a family that's in grief you know, over the loss of their um, loved one who's a veteran
2: most people don't pay in advance for cremation and burial. And you know, and if you're gonna pay for a full burial, two thousand dollars isn't anything. Some places you might be able to get cremated for eight hundred. The average is, you know, fourteen to two thousand. If you are a big, big man, I just had a guy who weighed like three hundred and fifty hmm. um pounds and his burial was close to three thousand because he was the cremation because he was so big. So people don't think about that. And the thing is, is you don't get reimbursed that as soon as you submit the documentation to the VA. If there is one box that's not checked, you're not going to get it for six months. If your VSO, your veteran service officer, or whoever is helping you do it correctly, you can get it in 14 days.
0: Oh, my, 14 days. um,
2: Yeah, if it's done correctly. And the thing is, is a lot of burial homes do the burial paperwork, you know, because there's a form for burial benefit. And then there's a form for DIC, which is if you're the survivor. There's two different forms. So the burial benefit also asks, is it service-connected? So that's 2000 mm-hmm. Did they have a service-connected injury? That's 300 Are they a service member? That means they're going to get the flag and they're going to get the headstone all the headstones are free so headstone plaque and medallion are free the flag if you didn't get it from the burial home you can take the dd form 214 and the death certificate to the post office and they will give you a flag
0: oh my goodness that's that's so um
2: so then if a person passed away at a va facility or in route to a va facility in route to an outside clinic that the VA is paying for, because a lot of people use community care, then that burial benefit is $792. So I don't know where they got that number from. But, you know, <laughs> yeah, <that's> a- <laughs> so there's there's, there's there's different numbers for different things, obviously. Right. You know, the thing is, is like if they're married and the spouse is doing, you know, the survivor listed on the, um, the burial benefit, they automatically, if there's a service-connected disability, send a $300 check. So if it becomes that they passed away, so say they had a service-connected disability, but they didn't die from a service-connected disability, that's $300. They automatically cut that check as soon as they get the paperwork. So they usually have that check within a week or two weeks. And if there's approved benefits, say the veteran passed away on the 29th of the month, and you know, like um, January gets paid in February, February gets paid in March. Mm-hmm. So they pass, say they pass away in February, and they're going to get paid in March. What will happen is, with the spouse, they will pay the accrued benefits. Okay.
0: Wow. That's a,
1: and, that's and so also I'd like to mm-hmm. make sure that we have mm-hmm. both because there's two things that you have to do upon death. Yes. Okay. Call Social Security, and there's also a Social Security benefit of. but you have to call 1-800-772-1213. And for those with service-connected disabilities that are registered in the DEERS system, the Defense Enrollment and Eligibility Reporting System, they need to call 1-800-538-9552 to make sure that the death is reported. So those are a couple of the areas that we need to be aware of as well. Uh, Kathleen has such a huge amount of information; it's amazing. Yes. <laughs> and we just felt, and we barely touched the the tip of this one. This is a huge issue.
0: Yeah, it, it really is. I'm so glad that uh, you brought this to light, Diana, because uh, you know this this is uh, this is tragic. You know, to have veterans who you know sacrificed their lives and, and did uh, things that we um, you know uh, we are actually very very um, um, very uh, at a point in time where we are benefiting from all these sacrifices made to to, wait, to go to the time of their death and then not to grant them these benefits um, uh, because of you know people just not knowing that you know for a burial plan you should include the DD two fourteen and the disability rating form uh, th- this is valuable valuable information and for the families and the survivors of our veterans you know who supported them as well
1: and making sure everything that is involved in their treatment while they're in the hospital is on that death certificate, anything that might contribute. Because if it's on there, even if it was minor in contributing, it's contributing, they have to cover you.
2: Oh. Even if it's a temporary disability, say somebody had hip surgery and it's service connected oh. and, it, and they granted it temporarily due to surgery, like an increase, you still wanna bring up the the um, surgery, Um, also if it's a medication the VA prescribed and they went into anaphylaxis, you can also argue on the death certificate. So you say, like I'm allergic to penicillin, so say I die from penicillin, that needs to be on the record because if the VA gave it to me, they've got to pay for the um, burial benefits.
0: Wow, so the things I've learned, (laughs) the two of you always, (laughs) every time I I learn something, every time, Diana, you come on, (laughs) and uh, (laughs) Kathleen, you have enlightened me. You know, if I have my burial plan, I better have my DD-214 and my disability rating form included in that documentation so my family doesn't have to search all over the place for these pieces of paper um, that uh, can actually leave them in a better position. And I would rather do that, you know, in passing on with my life. And then, uh, you know, calling that one eight hundred seven seven two one two one three, 772 1213 And if you're in the DEAR system, one eight hundred five three eight nine five five two. 538 9552 As you were mentioning, uh, Diana, essential to have these numbers and keep them uh, with your files. Make sure you have the correct paperwork and pay attention to these things. And if you're a provider out there, listen to this. And... Uh, and funeral directors, make sure that you are treating our veterans with respect and dignity. Uh, do the things that uh, Diana was saying and make sure you annotate those disabilities with your medical records. And we're going to move on to someone who is um, our, um, our executive producer, Glenda Smith. And uh, she's going to do some announcements, but I want to thank our roundtable partner, uh, partner service, uh, women who serve, you are actually uh, this uh, a bright light, and you have actually just helped thousands and thousands of veterans today by the information you provided. So I'm going to turn it over to Glenda, and she has these birthday candles in her eyes. Uh, so thank you so much, Diana. Thank you for listening to America's Heroes Group Podcast. Don't forget to subscribe so you won't miss an episode. And for more details, visit AmericasHG.org.